why January 1st is there, I think. Exodus chapter 20, and uh, this morning we just have one verse that we're going to be looking at this morning. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, says this, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Father, please use your word. Convict us, change us, and encourage us with your word. We pray in Christ's name, amen. The TV programs of the 50s showed the father and the mother and the children in this unit, this little family unit, and they showed the father and mother as respectable individuals, right? You, you remember June and Ward Cleaver of the Cleaver family of the show Leave It to Beaver. How many of you have watched at least one episode in your life of Leave It to Beaver? Okay, good, fantastic show. The sitcoms of the 90s and 2000s portrayed mother and father especially to look like a fool rather than the wise leader that the earlier television programs had portrayed. And current television programming doesn't even bother necessarily to show a home where a husband is married to a wife and they have children. Is the family and the attack of the family worse now than ever? One man complained, youth today love luxury. They have bad manners. They have contempt for authority. They have no respect for older people. They talk nonsense when they should go to work. Young people do not stand up any longer when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents. They talk too much when they're in company. They guzzle their food. They lay their legs on the table. They tyrannize their elders. Who was it who said this? Socrates, 400 years before Jesus. I don't think the family or the attack of the family is worse today than it's ever been. There are ways that we experience that are worse in our experience than it may have been 50 years ago for us. Brothers and sisters, the family has been under attack since day one. Since day one. So before you pine for the days of June and Ward Cleaver, Back in the 50s, when everything was perfect, remember, some of you were alive in the 50s, and if you have any sense of memory or wisdom, you will know that the 50s were not days without sin or days without problems. It's been since the beginning. I mean, let's just take a stroll real quickly through the story of the Bible and its families, Adam and Eve and they have a son, and if you may remember, that son murdered his brother. Abraham has a son out of wedlock with his servant woman, and that child is at war with his brother to this day, Ishmael and Isaac. Jacob is a deceiver and is deceived and has major family issues. Judah has a child by his daughter-in-law who deceived him into being with him physically. David's son defiles David's sister. One of David's own sons tries to overthrow David while on the throne. And these are just a few of the many families of the Bible. If the Bible were made into a sitcom, it's not one that you would be allowed to watch your children certainly would not be allowed to watch. The rating would prevent you from being able to watch the stories of the families of the Bible. In fact, let's do this real quickly. Let's just take a second and think about all of the healthy families in the Bible. Right? We talk about dysfunctional families. We talk about broken families. Let's think uh, in the Bible of the functional families, the ones where there's a father who leads in wisdom and a mother who serves in love and children who are obedient and honorable and respectful. And for that generation, that family is just exemplary. 
father, mother, and children, the perfect family in the Bible, and everyone has in their mind right now the family in the Bible, and that family is not in the Bible. There isn't one. I mean, there isn't one. There isn't one single family in the Bible that we can look at and go, that's it. We're going to model ours after that one. It's not there. And yet, the family is the first institution that God creates. Before He creates the institution of His people, the church, before He creates the institution of government to care for His people, God creates the family. The family is of critical importance, and it is a mess. Most of you love deeply your family, and you have stories about your family that you ain't sharing with anybody else in here. The family is important, and the family is a mess. And today we're looking at one of the ten words, the ten instructions that God gives to His people here at Mount Sinai, ten words for life, ten instructions for how they can live the good life, how they can live the blessed life. And He's moving now into instruction number five, and we are. This is this represents a shift in what God is doing in these ten. I'm going to call them ten commandments. I like the ten words, ten instructions better, but I just accidentally keep defaulting to call them Ten Commandments because that's what I've called them my entire life. The first four commandments, all four are dealing very specifically with our vertical relationship to God. Now, I was reviewing with some this morning um, the, uh, our ten hand signals to remember the, the Ten Commandments, right? Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Eli, do you know this? Do you know these, these hand signals? You do? Okay. Do you remember what number two is? You think so? Can you do number two? Right? Number two, and then go like this, right? Don't, don't, make any, don't bow down to any graven images. Right? So that's God wants to be worshipped God's way. And then number three, do you remember what we do with number three? Yeah, take, do number three and put it over your mouth like this. Yeah. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Right? So, so we start with there is no other God. Secondly, we de- uh, deals with... Um, our, uh, our attitude toward God, our deeds toward God, how we're going to worship. The third is our words toward God. The fourth um, is to, to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, right? That's our, that's again, that's our, 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 uh, our works toward God. And so the first, the first four commandments are all God-word commands. The, and now as we transition into the fifth instruction for us, we go from our vertical relationship, how we are, our words, actions, and attitudes towards God, and now God brings them into our horizontal relationships. Number five begins horizontal relationships, and the horizontal relationships that God begins with are the relationships that immediately surround us in our home. The place God starts with how you are going to interact with other people is beginning in the home. And I would argue that everything begins in the home. Jesus uh, says that the, the greatest, you know, uh, what did Jesus say was the greatest commandment? Love the God, Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first four. And not to love your neighbor as yourself. These horizontal uh, commands and God uh, starts with the family. And the main point this morning is this. Blessing comes to those who honor their father and mother. Blessing comes to those who honor their father and mother. So we're going to look at the fifth commandment, the fifth instruction, and we're going to do like we've done every week thus far. The first thing we're going to do is consider the fifth commandment in God, and then we're going to consider the fifth commandment in ourselves, and then we're going to consider the fifth commandment in Christ. So God, ourselves, and Christ, we're going to work through this command uh, through those three different lenses. So let's start with the fifth word, the fifth instruction, and God. Let's just Start again by looking at this verse again. And it says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Well, what does it mean to honor somebody? 
the word honor, the Hebrew word here, literally has the idea of something that's heavy or something that's weighty. Something that has gravity to it. It has significance. We might call it heft. To give weight or importance to something or someone. Now, our culture is not an honor culture. There are cultures in the world that are considered honored cultures. And many of the cultures like in Asia, like Japan and and countries like that, are known as cultures that are honor culture, where, where everything that you do reflects honor on your family, your village, your tribe, your people, right, yourself, everything is considered honor. And, and maybe in a, in a culture like that, a, the significance of a command like this would be more easily or quickly understood. And I think we need to be instructed a little bit on what it means to honor someone or to honor something. To honor them is to give respect and esteem to someone or something. Right? When, when someone passes away, we often have a funeral or a memorial service where we, where we remember that person and we honor them and we talk about the good things that they have done. And, and even though we know that there were some not good things that they did as well, we, in that moment, we're choosing to honor them and we're, we're celebrating the good things in that person's life. We know what it is to honor. We stand and remove our hats and salute to honor the flag when uh, the flag is present or when the, the, uh, our national anthem is being played. So we have, we have some vague idea of what it means to honor. And God was calling upon the Israelites to show this kind of significance, this, this esteem, this respect to father and mother. And, and we do that. The way that we show honor is I've already mentioned a couple times this morning, that we, we actually show honor through our words and our actions and our attitudes. That's, that's how you honor someone else. You, you can't get off by just saying, I honor people, I honor something in my mind, but my words aren't going to honor them or my actions aren't going to honor them or my, and my attitudes aren't going to honor them. No, the way that we actually honor is through words and actions and attitudes. And one of the ways that I know that this is true is the first four commandments are all God-word commands. They're all uh, commands that, that honor God and those deal with our words, our actions, and our attitudes. So, so to honor God demands that we honor Him with our words. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. With our actions, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. With our attitudes, don't bow down to any graven image. That's how we show honor to God, and that's how we show honor to anyone or anything. Well, God is telling the people of Israel to honor, and He's telling them to honor their father and their mother. Unfortunately, we, we tend to live in a society that looks down on age and, the, and elderly. Un- unfortunately, we live in a culture where youth is often worshipped and pursued and not, not maturity and those with the gray hair, which I'm quickly getting more and more of. The, the few remaining hairs I have are quickly turning gray. Youth, though, unfortunately, is worshipped and pursued. Looking and talking and acting like you are 18 is seen as a kind of virtue. But the, the Bible says that we're to honor and respect and revere our father and mother. This, this basic institution of the family, which is established by God for the good of mankind, is to be honored. Both father and mother are to be are to be honored. And, and often when we think about the times of the, the, the Bible was written, we think of them as very heavily patriarchal societies where the dad was you know, the only one that mattered. But that's just, that's just not the case. The Bible never gives us that picture. Honor both your father and your mother. Proverbs 6.20 says, My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 3, the mother is listed first. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father. God establishes the importance of you as a young person learning to honor your father and your mother. And we do this, we learn, we learn about honor first in the home. God establishes the importance of learning how to honor other people. And we learn that first in the home by honoring father and mother. Your children first learn to obey 
and honor their father and mother even before they learn to obey and honor the Lord their God. Right? I mean, that's true. One of the reasons why this is so important for the nation of Israel and for their children to learn to honor father and mother is because that's how they're going to learn to honor the Lord their God, the one true God. This establishes the importance of learning authority. This establishes the importance of the home. One author writes this, God intends the family the family to be our first hospital, our first school, our first government, our first church. So if we don't honor family, what will we honor? If we don't honor our father and mother, what will we honor? And you know this is true. You see young people, you see adults who don't honor their father and mother, and they don't honor the law enforcement. They don't honor their bosses. They don't honor their school teachers. They don't honor because they never learned to honor their father and mother. And just so you know, this fifth command here, this isn't a little bit of a parenthesis where God thinks, you know what, I've been going through all these commands. I've got all these instructions, and I really need, I need to pull the kids in somehow, right? I need like an illustration. I need, I need one for the kids, right? I've got all these heavy rules about how you're going to interact with me. And, and so, uh, and kids, don't you forget. No, no, this, this is not a children's command. I mean, it is a children's command. Raise your hand in here if you are not children, uh, if you're not a child of your parents. Is there anyone in here who is not a child of their parents? That's a stupid question, right? Everyone, everyone is a child. Everyone under the sound of my voice has equal opportunity to disobey or obey the command that God is laying out here in front of us this morning. We might be tempted to look around and see some of the younger ones in here and think they really need to hear this. But th- that was not God's intent as he is thundering from Mount Sinai and giving his people these serious instructions, these wonderful instructions. Now, here's how you're going to be blessed, adults. Here's how you're going to be blessed, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 60-year-olds, 70-year-olds. Here's how you're going to be blessed. Honor your father and mother. Why is God telling Israel to obey their father and mother? Well, we might first of all answer with just the simple, like, well, the reason you're supposed to honor your father and mother is because God says to. And that's absolutely the right answer. That's the right answer. That's the first right answer. The reason you should obey your parents, the reason you should honor your father and mother is because God says to do it. But God actually gives the reason he's telling you to honor your father and mother. And it's right here in this verse. Verse 12 says, honor your father and mother. And then God is going to, he's going to give a reason. He's going to offer a reward so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. God actually gives an incentive. God is actually offering a reward. God is actually offering blessing to those who will honor their father and mother. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 2 says refers to this as the first commandment with a promise. What does that mean that it's the first commandment with a promise? It's not the first commandment. It's the first commandment that has an accompanying blessing with it. If you will honor your father and mother, I will make your days long in the land that I'm giving to you. So this verse, like so many of the Proverbs in the Old Testament, is a truth that's generally true. It's a concept that's generally true. It's actually referring to long physical life. It's the people who are being told, honor your elderly parents and you will get to be elderly parents. Honor your father and mother. Honor the elderly and here's how I'm going to bless you. You're going to get to be elderly as well. One author says, those who build a society in which old age has an honored place may with confidence expect to enjoy that place themselves one day. God God wants the good of his people. And we know that all 10 of the 10 instructions are instructions that God is bringing to his people. And he's saying, look, I've got 10 wonderful things that I'm bringing into your life. And if you will live your life accordingly, it will bring great blessing into your life right here, right now. And this is one where God just overtly just says, hey, now 
with the honor your father and mother thing, I'm just going to tell you, if you'll honor your father and mother, you'll get to enjoy long life in the land that I'm promising you. In the land that the Lord is giving you. And again, he's promising great blessing. Where are the people of Israel when God is giving them these Ten Commandments? They're in the wilderness. They're at Mount Sinai. They are not in the promised land yet. They've left Egypt, but they're roughing it in the wilderness. And God is saying, look, I'm going to give you an instruction. Honor your father and mother. If you'll do this, I'm going to give you long life. I'm going to bless you with life in a land I'm bringing you to, into this promised land. As God promises to take care, again, one author writes, as God promises to take care of his dependents, Israel, for a long time in the promised land, so individual Israelites must take care of their dependent parents for a long time, as necessary, in their own families. You take care of your parents, you honor your father and mother, and I'm going to bring you and I'm going to honor you with long life in the land that I'm giving you. And this isn't the only place in the Bible where we're given this instruction to honor father and mother. In fact, throughout both Old and New Testament, over and over and over again, we are told to honor our father and mother. In fact, for many of us, or for parents, many of you, the first Bible verses, or one of the first Bible verses you teach your children, and this is perfectly legitimate for it to be the first Bible verse you teach your child, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. How many of you know that Bible verse? You've heard that before today. Yeah, okay, yeah. Everybody, everybody's heard that Bible verse before, before today. Brothers and sisters, this is another one of the instructions that God gives, that God takes very very seriously, very seriously. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, when God wants to describe for us how bad things will be in the last days, one of the things he uses to describe is that children will be disobedient to parents. Like if, if you were asked, describe a really bad society, you would probably say, oh, there's murder and there's stealing and there's, uh, you know, whatever. Like you would have this list of things. And when, when God wants to describe a really bad society, he says, listen, here's, it, it's going to get this bad. Children are going to consistently disobey. Cons- children are going to dishonor their father and mother. In Leviticus chapter 20, verse 9, it says this. Okay, gulp with me. If anyone curses his father or mother, he must be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother, and his blood will be on his own head. In Deuteronomy chapter 21 and following, if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him. His father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gate of his town. Then all the men of his town shall stone him to death. You must purge the evil from among you. All Israel will will hear of it and be afraid. Now we're going to talk, just don't panic yet. We're going to talk about how Jesus fixes all of this. But Jesus fixing this doesn't mean that God doesn't care about this anymore. See, like last week, I mentioned the guy who was picking up sticks on the Sabbath and he was killed. What, what's going on here? It, does, does this mean that like, um, you know, a family is sitting around the dinner table and, uh, and dad at, in, at Isra- in Israel, you know, they're sitting around the dinner rug I don't know Israeli culture very well, right? And they've just finished their, their meal of lamb. And dad says to Junior, Junior, I want you to clean up. And Junior goes, oh, Dad, I cleaned up last night. 
And dad's like, that's it. Out, we're piling rocks up on you, buster. Right, like one strike and you're out. What, what's happening here when we read in Leviticus that if anyone curses his father and mother, he must be put to death. And when, when someone is picking up sticks on the Sabbath, that, that, um, that they must be put to death. Here's what's happening here. This is a, this is a community of people who exist in relationship to God in a way that's unique and different from anything that we can know or experience. These are God's chosen people who are living in covenant with him. There are rules and laws that are part of this covenant. And so, so these people collectively are living in a, in a relationship with God. And, and for someone to go out on Saturday on the Sabbath and pick up sticks is someone who essentially, they're, they're, this is what they're literally doing. They're walking out in front of everyone else in Israel, and they're saying, hey, guess, hey, everybody, listen, I'm not doing the God thing anymore. I'm, you all keep following him. I'm not, I'm not following him anymore. I don't want, I'm not obeying the terms of the covenant. I know I was supposed to gather extra yesterday. I'm not supposed to work today. But, but it's like they're giving God a rude gesture in front of everyone in Israel, and they're saying, I, I, I don't I'm not following Yahweh anymore. When this child, when children would act like when they would curse their father and mother, it's not just that they're cursing their father and mother. They know they're to be in an honorable relationship with their father and mother. They're cursing the God of their father and mother. They're cursing the community that their father and mother exist in. They're saying, I don't want any part of this God following thing anymore. I'm out on my own. These are people who live in a covenant community with the most, with God Almighty, and they are openly, rebelliously declaring, I will not obey God. Friends, the seriousness is not that God will have someone stoned for their rebellion. That's actually not the big deal. The seriousness is that God will send those to hell who rebel against him in this way. So, so we don't pile stones on top of rebellious teenagers. But those who shake their fist in the face of God, like the rebellious teenager, like the guy picking up sticks, what they were doing, they were shaking their fist in the face of God and saying, I will not live in relationship to Yahweh. I'm going to do life my own way. And they would get stones piled on top of them. And those who today shake their fist in the face of God and say, I will not live in relationship to the one true God of the Bible. God will say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. And when we, when we walk through these 10 instructions and they begin to wash over us and we see the goodness of God in them, and we also see our failure Brothers and sisters, if you're listening to these sermons and thinking thoughts like, hmm, maybe I should change some things. Maybe I should take more seriously certain things. Maybe, yes, you probably should. This is the word of the one true God of the universe. And we live like, like, like who we are and what we've always done is probably right and God's just going to be okay with everything that we think and we do. And I think we need to be ready for the word of God to correct us often, to convict us often, to change us often. When's the last time that the word of God pressed into your heart and you realized, I'm wrong? When's the last time that happened? And if you can't think of a time, then, then the, the problem is not with the Word of God. And it's probably not that like you've reached pretty much sinless perfection and you're rocking along and we need to be, you know, modeling our lives after you. It, it probably means that we're not taking seriously the words of the one true God. Friend, you, you are the created, not the creator. You are the dependent, not the eternally independent one. You change. He doesn't. Which brings us to the fifth word, and you. What do we need to do? What do we need to think? What do we need to care? 
especially if we're out of our parents' houses now. Well, like I said earlier, this instruction is repeated throughout the Bible, right? There's a lot of passages in the Old Testament, New Testament, Colossians 3.20, children obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Ephesians 6, and I mentioned uh, Ephesians 6 earlier, 6.1 and 2, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. We are to honor our father and mother. Young children, you are to obey and honor your father and mother. With your words and your actions and your attitudes, you are to honor your father and mother. Our words must be honoring both in front of our father and mother and behind the back of our father and mother. Our actions must be honorable to our father and mother and even our thoughts and attitudes, right? If we honor them to their face and then turn and roll our eyes on the inside, I don't don't, don't know how you roll your eyes on the inside, roll the eyes of your heart. I don't know if your heart has eyes, but young adult children, You are to honor your father and mother, your words and your actions and attitudes. And by young adult children, I'm talking about even those who are still in their home, teenagers. You are to honor your father and mother. And instead of me stomping too hard on your toes, though you may need your toes stomped on, shame on us parents that we expect our children to rebel during their teen years. God does not have this expectation. God, that is not God's expectation. I don't have time to go into the whole thing with the recent development of what we call teenagers. Historically, there hasn't been a category called teenagers. There were children, and then there were adults, and that's, that's how life worked. But we do have them now. I do want to express the danger of expecting little out of them. I do want to express the danger of spending very little time with them as parents. I do want to express the danger of putting them with other people their own age who will influence them more than their parents will and giving those people more access into the hearts and minds and lives and loves and wants and desires and affections of our children. I do want to express the danger of skipping the worship of God in order for them or for us to pursue other passions and other idols and other gods. I do want to express the danger of giving them devices with which they can communicate with their equally foolish friends 24-7. I do want to express the danger of giving them devices that give them access to all of the wickedness of the World Wide Web 24-7 in the privacy of their bedroom when no one can assess, assess them. I do want to express the danger of failing to bring them up in the words and the ways of God and then wondering what went wrong. Don't be too hard on your teenager. It's likely you made them that way. God takes this deathly seriously. And unfortunately, we don't take it seriously. We say things like, oh, they're going through a phase. I can remember what things were like when I was their age. I I dread the teenage years. I can't wait for the teenage years to be over. I can't wait for my kids. I'm going to lock them in a closet when they're 13 and unlock it when they're 21. Let me encourage you not to think this way. Don't think this way. Don't buy into the lie of the world this way. Some of you have older children, and that was your experience. It doesn't have to be the next generation's experience. That's, a, that, that, that's being far more shaped by our culture than by the Word of God. Every now and then a prophet has to stand up and wave, wave his arms and look mildly idiotic and say, hey, we have to stop doing this thing. There's a better way to do it. This morning I feel a little bit like that, like I'm just kind of flailing around up here and looking mildly like an idiot and saying, hey, listen, please, we got to stop. We have to stop getting our cue from our culture. We have to stop being afraid to parent. So let me encourage you not to think this way. If your kids grow up in a culture where everyone expects them to be lazy and rebellious and they hear you talking about how much you're dreading those years and how will they think and feel about those years? The teenage years. I'm going to say something that you think I'm joking when I say this. The teen years should be a wonderful time of coming into adulthood. They should be. And brothers and sisters, if we as God's people with God's word aren't the ones who are leading the charge on this, then who will? 
And so what this means is what you do in your home will look different than what everyone else around you is doing. It will. It's going to look different. I, don't, I, I can't tell you the formula of exactly what it's going to look like, but it is going to look different. Older children. Oh, by the way, that, that was for the teenagers, even though it was mostly for the parents of teenagers. Older children, your words and your actions and your attitudes, and when I say older children, 21 years old and up, your words and your actions and your attitudes should honor your father and mother. And we're going to talk in a moment about, well, what, you know, now that I'm out of the house, what does that look like? Or, you know, what if my parents ask me to do something that I disagree with? Or what if my parents actually ask me to do something that's unbiblical? Or what if my parents aren't Christians and how do I obey them and how do I honor them? We're going to talk about that a little bit more here in just a second. But don't get your clue for how to honor your father and mother from our culture. Get your clue from the, the instruction uh, of the Bible. We have this, this terrible and ungodly idea that we get to work hard for 65 years and then we can take it easy for the rest of our lives and we're not taking care of anybody. We're not honoring anyone. So all children are to honor their father and mother. 65-year-old children who have 85-year-old parents are to honor their father and mother with their words and their actions and their attitudes. It is not always easy, but it it must be done. And, and as I look across the room here, I'm reminded of so many illustrations of it being done so well, of, of it really being done well. I mean, I'm not making up the situations where some of you have unbelieving parents. Some of you have parents that are just kind of bad news. Some of you have parents that did not parent you well. And yet, you can honor your father and mother. The reason they should, the reason parents or children should honor their father and mother is because, okay, it, it's, it's God's plan, it's God's intention that children honor father and mother because it's also God's intention that father and mother instruct their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You see how those two things work together perfectly, right? So, so I say to Will and Lydia, bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And they go and obey that. And I tell the girls, now honor your father and mother. And do you see how honor your father and mother is not some kind of random, unrelated thing? Like those two things work perfectly in connection with each other. Parents, you are to live honorably by instructing your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And children then are blessed when they honor their father and mother. See, the blessing isn't some kind of rand. None of this is um, like just kind of God was making up stuff like, okay, I want children to honor their father and mother. And if they do that, I'll bless them. Like the, the blessing of God actually flows out of the obedience. The, the honoring father and mother who are teaching me the words and ways of God results in my blessing and my long life. And I'm, I'm giving you a little window into the last point. It results in eternal life in the land that God has promised us. Okay, but that's just a little sneak peek, a little, a little taste of what's to come. So, one of the reasons that children are to honor their father and mother is, is because parents are to act honorably. So parents act honorably. Children are to honor their father and mother because their father and mother are supposed to teach them the instruction of God. Deuteronomy 6.6, 6, And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Fathers, Ephesians 6.4, Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. As parents, we begin... <clears throat> Excuse me. As parents, we begin to think of this need to be honored as some kind of just random due that's owed to us because we're parents. Honor, honor me. Honor your father and mother. Cause. 
right? Honor, honor us. But, but, uh, um, but like the wife who submits to her husband finds this a great joy when her husband loves her like Christ loves the church. Children will honor their parents who are bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and they'll do that in a way that brings those children great joy. Everyone still has sinfulness in their heart, and your children still have their own independent choice to make as to whether or not to be obedient to the Lord. But it is easier to honor honorable people. It's easier to honor honorable people. We, we know this is true in almost every walk of life, right? At work, it's easier to honor a boss who's honorable. In government, it's easier to honor a governor, a mayor, a president who's honorable. In the church, it's easier to honor pastors, deacons who are honorable. In marriage, it's easier to honor a spouse who is honorable. And in the home, we don't provoke them to wrath when we are living in a way that is honorable. Parents, do you know from God's word how to parent your children? Can you give Bible verses dealing with parenting and with children and the issues of children and with wisdom and imparting wisdom and how to shepherd the heart of your child? Do you have goals and plans for how you'll parent your two-year-old and your 10-year-old and your 16-year-old? We're we were talking about these things in Sunday school this morning. We have a parenting Sunday school class that it's, it's really good, and not because I and Mark Shoemaker teach it. We're using a book written by Ted Tripp that's really, really helpful. Ted Tripp's, I think, in his 70s now, so we're learning from an older guy on who's parented kids. Right? I'm in the middle of this. I'm literally yesterday preparing to teach the class that I taught this morning, and the chapter I read significantly changed a couple of conversations I had with my kids yesterday. I, I'm just going to say to the parents who have you know, teenagers on down uh, here in our church. I just, I don't think there's anything better you can be doing on Sunday morning at 9.30 than being in here uh, to learn these things. So, so children are to honor their father and mother, but, but there are some questions that we have. But, but, what about, but what about when I'm out of the home? What, what about when I'm an independent child and my, my uh, you know, I tell my parents I'm going to be doing, I'm taking this job, I'm going to this school, those sorts of decisions, and my parents go, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Am I supposed to obey my parent in that moment? I do believe there comes a point when you've moved out of your parents' home where you are responsible to the Lord first and foremost and primarily. And in and, and those moments, you no longer have to obey your parents like you did when you were a child in their home. But even when you choose a different route than your parents might choose for you as an adult person, there's still a way to honor them even when you might choose something differently than this. And, and I mean, I have... I feel like I have the best parents in the world and the best in-laws in the world. And there have been times where Angie and I, as we've sought the Lord's will for our lives, have made decisions differently than what they would have chosen for us. And we sought their counsel, and they said, well, we would recommend that you do A. And we prayed and thought, you know what, we believe that the Lord is leading us to do B. And we go back to them and say, the Lord is leading us to do B. And they say, okay. And we seek to, we, we, you know, we, we prayerfully considered and we thank you for your in, input and we listened to you, but we really believe this is what the Lord would have us to do. And so, so we, we try to honorably, you can still honor a father and mother uh, who, um, who you may disagree with, but even, even when you're out of their home, it's still your responsibility to, to honor them. Proverbs 23, 22, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. And so there actually is a responsibility for you to honor your father and mother. Now, our, our culture is so different than, than early Bible times, right? I mean, you remember when Jesus, uh, excuse me, when Mary and Joseph were, were betrothed and Joseph would have begun building an apartment onto his family's home to bring Mary into, right? We, some of us were I don't know if we were really joking. We were talking earlier this morning about when family gets together over the holidays, right? Family and, and, and fish are the same. I, I learned this from someone. I've heard this before, so I didn't learn it from this person this morning. But after three days, they both start to stink, right? Family and fish. 
Um, and 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 like we we kind of think of it like yeah, it's good that you live an hour away and that I only get to see you maybe once or twice a month. But but you understand that like culturally speaking, that's weird compared to the way most people have lived throughout most of human history, right? Like you lived in the village where your parents lived and grandma and grandpa lived and great grandma and grandpa if they were still living. They, like this honor father and mother thing was a big deal and important and it was probably harder for them than it is for us, right? Because mom and dad load up in the minivan or we load up in the minivan and leave. You know, I think, oh my goodness, it's good to kind of put a little bit of distance between us and them. But we are still called upon to honor our father and mother. And we do this with our words and our actions and our attitudes. What if you have a parent, though, who is just, they're just dishonorable, right? Like, nobody likes them. And you don't really like them. And they hurt you growing up. They did things foolishly that, that they, they're not, they, they aren't Christians. Or they've just, they committed sins that just really have a hard time Friends, I, I still think that when God calls us to honor, when God calls us to honor someone or something, the, the obedience in that command lies within us and the blessing of that command lies within us, right? So, so God is saying, you honor your father and mother. You have to trust me in order to do that because they're, they're kind of rascals. But I want you to honor, just like we do with so many other positions in life, right? A dishonorable president, we still honor the position. We, we should not be disparaging and rude and ugly, and, and right? Right? That is true that we should not do those things. And we should honor, right? God says honor the king, right? We don't have a king, we have a president, right? You have a spouse who's not very honorable, but you still honor your spouse, and you honor your father and mother. The Heidelberg, the old Heidelberg Catechism says it's right, uh, um, it says that I show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all who are set in authority over me. This expands the command. That I submit myself with respectful obedience to all their careful instruction and discipline, and I also bear patiently their failures. I bear patiently their failures since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. Whose will is it that you have the parents that you have? Whose will is it? It is God's will that you have the parents that you have. And so there is great wisdom for us in this catechism that says that I will bear patiently their failures since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. And don't you hope that those that you have authority and responsibility over will have that same attitude toward you, that they will bear patiently your failures, your weaknesses, your insecurities. Don't you hope and pray that your children will deal with you this way, that they will honor you in spite of your failures since it is God's will that he governs them by your hand? Respect for those who are in authority is respect for God because all authority comes from him, so says Philip Graham Ryken. What about parents who tell us to do something that is against God's will and against God's ways? What if your parents, you're, you're a child at home or you're maybe a child outside the home or you know whatever, and, but your, your parents are telling you, um, to do something that's just in direct opposition to God's, to God's word. Acts chapter 5, verse 29 actually tells us to obey God rather than man. And that there are times, the scriptures, in several different places, and the scriptures talk about that our willingness, that our submission to follow Jesus Christ at times means that it sets a father against a son, a mother against a daughter. You, you, your first responsibility is to honor the Lord your God. So that's what we do. Uh, what about parents that, that you know, they, they say they're Christians, and they're, but they're just, they're ungodly. They're not the kind of influence that I want around my kids. I, should I leave my kids with them? Should, should, I, should I care for them in my home? Should I, should I have them over for holidays? What do, what do I do? And I, look, I, I, I realize that this represents some really, this is, I'm not making up any of these scenarios. 
I believe that you can love your parents and that you can honor your parents and that there are times where it's appropriate to limit the involvement and the exposure. I think you can do that in an honorable way, right? If grandpa's got a bad habit of doing such and such, and little five-year-old Jimmy thinks, man, my grandpa's the greatest thing in the world, and you as a parent think, I don't think that we're going to leave him for a week at grandpa's house. Those are hard choices. Those are real choices that I'm looking at real people who've had, you, you've had to make choices like that. And I just want to say that it doesn't mean that you are dishonoring your father and mother. Your first responsibility is to honor the Lord your God. You can disagree. You can limit uh, exposure, and you can still do all of that in a way that is honoring the position. You may still have additional questions, and I just, I don't know that I'm going to have the answer to every single scenario, but I'd be happy to try to think through those things with you. So this fifth commandment of honoring your father and mother, how, how are you doing keeping this? One pastor offers some questions for self-examination. Do you ever talk back to your parents? Do you ever hide anything from them? Do you ever silently curse them? Do you speak well of your parents? Are you taking the time to strengthen your relationship with them? Are you giving them the care they need and the honor they deserve for their position in life? We all fail to keep the fifth commandment. We all fail. So let's, let's leave with, with news that's so good, we're almost inclined not to believe it. Because right now we may feel a little bit weighted under keeping this command, right? Like, that's really hard. I've done a lot of failing through most of my life, and I'm still not sure after this sermon today, Jeremy, that I'm going to be able to gin up the kind of honor that I'm supposed to have for my parents. Let me use uh, an illustration that I read. One pastor once chastened his son for failing to clean his room. You didn't clean your room, I said. I told you to clean your room, and you didn't do it. After hearing my son's excuse, which, although carefully developed, nevertheless was thoroughly unpersuasive, I said, I don't care what happened. I told you to clean your room, and you didn't do it. Then, trying to help him understand the gospel, I said, you know, you like to think you're a pretty good boy, but the truth is you're not a good boy. Actually, you're a bad boy. You want to obey, excuse me, God wants you to obey me all the time, but sometimes you don't. How can God accept you if you keep disobeying your parents? My son wasn't sure, but his father was a pastor, so of course he knew that the answer probably was Jesus. And he was right. Jesus is the answer. God does not accept us on the basis of what we have done but on the basis of what Jesus has done. And one of the things that Jesus has done is to keep the fifth commandment. So instead of looking at what we have done, all the times we have dishonored and disobeyed our parents, God looks at what Jesus did when He obeyed His parents perfectly. It's almost as if Jesus cleaned our room for us and then did everything else a child is supposed to do. One of the reasons He is the perfect Savior is because He was the perfect child. Jesus lived for 33 years and He perfectly honored His father and mother. Remember when he's hanging on the cross, he's caring for his, the, the care of his mom even after he's going to be gone. He is honoring his mother in that moment. Jesus honored father and mother perfectly where you and I fail to honor father and mother. We, we often aren't even sure how to honor father and mother. And Jesus honored father and mother perfectly. And when we come to him in faith, when we repent of our sins and put faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible describes us as being in him. I love the phrase, in Him. I love the phrase, being in Christ. Because what that means is, when God looks at me, what does He see? It's not a trick question. When God looks at me, He sees that I am in Christ. And so if God had a list of what, you know, make sure you keep all the rules of righteousness. Did you honor your father and mother? And God looks at Jeremy Scott McMorris Sr. And you know what He sees? 
he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He sees that Jesus honored father and mother perfectly. When we come to him, we are in him. And what is promised to those who come to him? What, what is this instruction? What is this? What is verse 12 promise to those who honor their father and mother? They are promised length of days and long life in the land that God has promised them. And what is promised to those who come to Jesus Christ? Length of days and long life, eternal life in the land that God has promised them in, in heaven. Length of days and long life are promised to those who come to Christ because Christ honored his father and mother perfectly. That needs to take the overwhelming majority of whatever burden you may be feeling this morning, whether it's honoring your father and mother or keeping the Sabbath or not taking the Lord's name in vain or whatever command that you feel beat up by this morning. If you are in Christ, when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. And so now as we live, we live out of that goodness. We live motivated by that gospel good news. For the unbeliever here this morning, repent and come to Christ. He is the one who honored perfectly and will bring you into blessing. For the believer in here, young or old, who has not honored father and mother, some of you need to confess to God and then confess to your parents. But look to Christ. Look to Christ who honored father and mother perfectly for you and now out of love for him and the joy in his blessing and the power of his spirit, obey by honoring your father and mother with the days you have left. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you because blessing comes to those who honor their father and mother. Bow your heads with me and we're going to take just a moment to think through these things, <coughs> and then we'll close in prayer. I think most of us hear a sermon like that, and we are both convicted and encouraged. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're in Him, I hope that you are encouraged by the righteousness of Christ and that you're convicted where you need to grow and change. For those who are here this morning who don't know Christ as their Savior, if you're here and you need to repent of sins and put faith in Christ, you can do that right there in your seat. If you'd like to talk with me or someone else about that after the service, we're sticking around. We're not going anywhere. We'd be happy for you to, to know more about that and to, and to do that today. I do want to give 30 seconds or so, though, for those of you who do need to talk to the Lord about this command in particular. And some of you, may, you, you just still might not be sure. I'm not sure how to do this. Tell God that. Tell God, God, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to do this. Ask him for help and then get input and advice from someone who knows you and knows the word. I'm gonna give you just a moment to pray. It's not an accident that we get to call you Father. It's a title that you chose so that we could understand you more clearly and better. Help us to honor you today here on earth like you are honored in heaven. Help us to honor our father and mother in a way that brings great glory to you and great blessing to us. Lord, for many in here, this sermon still represents conflict or uncertainty, I pray that your word would actually bring clarity and that we would be willing to honor you by honoring our father and mother. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for being here this morning. Um, I don't think there are any closing announcements that I need to make. I don't have a schedule up here with me. Is there anything else? Um, uh, did you mention this earlier? I stepped out for a minute, Will, but did you mention that Matt is preaching over at Lincoln Street Baptist this morning? Okay, so if you're wondering where Matt Moore is, he is over preaching at Lincoln Street, which I think also means that Jordan won't be here to take pictures afterwards. Oh, she is. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so Jordan is here to take photos. And let me ask you, please don't make us beg and drag you in there. I know like this is like going to the dentist. Some of you are like, I do not want a new family picture. 
I don't care. Go in there and get it done. It's not, a, it's not like a portrait that you're going to have blown up. It's for our thing so we can remember who you are and pray for you. Yes, ma'am. Fantastic. Ladies, you heard her. Do what she said. Okay? Have a great afternoon. God bless you.